0: On today's Question of Faith, what question would you ask a bishop? Hey there, everybody. This is Mike Hayes. I am the director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland, and we have a special episode of Question of Faith this week. And we actually hosted Theology on Tap here in the Diocese down at Far City Brewery, which is in the Duck Island section of the city. And uh, it's right down the street from St. Wendolyn's, if you're familiar with the Cleveland area, and uh, just a little ways away from the flats. And Father Damien uh, and myself, uh, we actually asked a bunch of questions of our bishop, Bishop Molesic, and uh, he was kind enough to join us for the evening, and uh, we had a great time. And so we wanted to give you some samples of that. We started out our conversation with Bishop Molesic by asking him what he's really come to love about Cleveland in the two years that he's been here.
1: So I, I was uh, installed on September 14th, 2020. So two years and a couple days. Um, when I came, Bishop Mike DeWine, a uh, Bishop, <laughs> Governor Mike DeWine <laughs> wrote me a handwritten note, and he, he does that. I've gotten several from Governor DeWine. And he said, Welcome to Ohio. Bishop Molesic, and I wrote back to him on a handwritten note, and I said, well, dear governor, thank you for the welcome, but it's welcome back to Ohio, because I studied for six years in Columbus, Ohio. I went to seminary there at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Worthington, Ohio, just north of Columbus. Uh, I call Ohio, and I, I hope no one gets offended by it, but I always call Ohio, Ohio nice. It's nice. You, you go through these neighborhoods and the lawns are manicured, the homes are painted, flags are hung, but that's just an expression of the people that are here too. I find Ohioans to be nice, but warm, gentle, kind, understanding. Now you're not perfect, okay? Only Pennsylvanians are perfect. so. but you should be pre- but the other thing that's really interesting this is a fascinating thing to me wherever i go people say do you like cleveland do you like ohio it's really important to the people of ohio and the people of northeast ohio cleveland akron the surrounding areas that people come here feel welcome and i think that that's that's what i've experienced i experienced the faith to be very strong here there is amazing things that are happening in the Diocese of Cleveland, Catholic Charities does an outstanding job. We have one of the largest Catholic charities in the country, which means that the people of our church want to serve the poor, the most vulnerable. We have a huge school system, so, educating people uh, through the Catholic schools, and not everyone is, I know that not everyone here was educated in a Catholic school. I was not, I'm a public school graduate, but the Catholic schools here. We have 38,000 kids in the Catholic schools. I run a school system of 38,000 kids, which is larger than most school districts, okay? So Catholic education is really important. And I also have to say that we do an awful lot for young people, our teens. And I met with our uh, youth ministers the other day. and we, we do a lot, I hope, for our young adults too. And that's why I think Bishop Perez was absolutely on target when he separated Youth ministry from young adult ministry. They're completely different animals. So I was a campus minister for many years of my life. I was at, if you know any of these schools in Pennsylvania, um, York College of Pennsylvania, Millersville University, Franklin and Marshall College, and finally Messiah College uh, outside of Harrisburg. And I would say to the seniors, at the beginning of the new school year, I'd say to the seniors, listen, don't let the freshmen come and see me until they know they're no longer in high school because there's a difference between someone who's in high school and someone who's in college. And then obviously, uh, people who are out of college, they're young, they're looking for, um, a way to practice their faith, express their beliefs. And I think that separating those two has been marvelous. So I think a lot of good things happen here in Ohio. That's a long way of answering your question. What do I think? I think there's a lot of great things in Ohio. I'm happy to be a citizen of Northeast Ohio. I really am.
0: All right. And then when we were finished with that, we, uh, took a little bit of a turn and and asked him about, well, what should we do about divisions in the church? You know, there are all kinds of people who are divided, not just in our church, but in our country. And uh, we've seen that now sort of bleed into the church. So we want to ask Bishop Molesik, what should we do about people who think differently from one another, people who like Pope Francis and who don't like Pope Francis, people who want liturgy a certain way, Uh, people who have all different kinds of feelings about uh, a whole bunch of different topics. So we asked him what his feelings are and what we should do about divisions in the church. Uh, We have divisions in the church. (laughs) Right, Exactly. (laughs) And you, know, you can take that any way you want, whether that's, you know, the social justice warriors against the rad trads or, you know, people who like Pope Francis who don't like Pope Francis, whatever <laughs> it might be.
1: Um, I think that, how do I deal with it? Well, first of all, I always try and stand in the middle, and I figure that if I'm getting hit from both sides, I'm doing the right thing, which is typical, you know, you stay in the middle. But it's like the church is a family. I've come to understand the church to be a family. If you come from a family that does not have some disagreements, you, it's good for you. But that's not the way most families are. And in, within the church, the church is broad enough to allow for people to, to um, be on different sides of an issue, but they have to color within the lines. The church sets the lines between left and right, and, and they're broader than a lot of people think. That's been my experience. They're broader than a lot of people think. But don't step outside the lines. you know. So you can disagree with some of the things that the Holy Father says or say, that's not how I would do it. I think the Holy Father would understand that. He's a Jesuit. He understands that that's how decisions are sometimes made right. by not always agreeing with everything he says. He does not expect everyone in the church to march lockstep with him. But as Catholics, you start painting outside the lines when you say, I'm not going to listen to that Pope. Whether that Pope is on the more conservative side, or the more liberal side. You color outside the lines when you say, that is not my pope. Well, that's that's called schism. I'm a canon lawyer. I can define it. <laughs> that's called schism, and, and that means you're not in union. So you can have the little discussions. I don't know that doubts are a bad thing within the church. I really don't know that respectful disagreements or respectful um, dialogue is a bad thing because it helps to strengthen your own position and it helps you to understand the other person's position. Right? One of the I think it's been a beautiful thing what the Holy Father called for the synod on synodality, which simply means we sit down together we try and listen to the Holy Spirit because we're supposed to walk together as one church. We're supposed to walk together as one church. Jesus on the night before he died for us prayed. So this is important. If there's the last thing he's saying to his Father before he dies for us, he prayed that we might all be one. So it's pretty important to him that we would be one which means we walk together do we walk together you know in the same aisle no i don't think so but a highway has many lanes to it and maybe some people are in the right lane some people the left lane but don't turn around and go the opposite direction because you're going to get killed right so we go together so yeah there's disagreements in the church you know, we talk about liturgy. Liturgy is always going to be uh, a source of, of tension in the church. It always has been. It always has been. Because it's central to who we are. It gives us our identity. Ultimately, it does give our unity. We can have, like, I like more of a kumbaya, Max, and I like more Latin chant, fine. But do you believe that's the real presence of Jesus Christ in there, that he's offering his body and blood for the sake of your, your soul and the sake of the world? That we can't disagree on. There are some things that you cannot disagree on. The essentials to the faith, the Trinity, the Sacraments, the Eucharist, the primacy of the Holy Father, the teaching authority of the Church, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the unity that the Lord asks for all of us. So yeah, have at it at Thanksgiving dinner, you know? <laughs> throw, throw a couple of you know drumsticks at each other. But at the end of the day, you're the same family. At the end of the day, you're the same family, and you gotta believe what the Lord wants us to believe. So those are those big T, capital T traditions, the teachings of the church. You know, I just, I think that that's the way it is in a family.
0: Yeah. I always say, look at the Acts of the Apostles and see how they fought with oh them. yeah But at the end, people knew that they were Christians by their love,
1: right? Pa- Paul, Paul strongly disagreed with Peter, the first Pope. And Paul eventually persuaded Peter to change his mind. But if Peter had not changed his mind, Paul would have said, you're Peter, and upon that rock, the Lord has built his church. That's the way it is. That's how it works.
0: Bishop Molesik and I were both campus ministers, and uh, so he said that uh, the most asked question that we often got on campus was that uh, people wanted to know, how do I know what God's plan is for me? How do I know that what I'm doing is what God really wants me to do? And so I asked Bishop Molesic, how did he know what God really wanted for him?
1: Yeah, I think everyone comes to that knowledge in a different way. So, I don't know, do you want to hear the vocation story? Sure, why not? I I grew up not wanting to be Catholic, although I was Catholic. I I kind of was convinced I'd leave the Catholic Church. Um, I didn't like the homilies. Uh, People didn't sing in church. People came late. They left early. I dated evangelical girls. Um, they 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 all sang. They knew their scriptures. People, you know, had a community in these small evangelical churches, and the girls were pretty, so that was a help. And um, so I always felt that I would probably leave. Uh, I was always a religious. I was always, I always believed in God. For me, um, it makes no sense to look up at the, star, at the stars and say there's no God. And I was fascinated by science, so I eventually was a science major, I was a biology major in college, um, and still trying to figure out what my life was going to be like. My first life, my first uh, few months in college were very difficult, um, lonely, a little depressed, anxious. You know, some of the things that some freshmen go through, I experienced. I was walking into the um, student union, <clears throat> a group of men were handing out bibles gideon bibles you know the ones that you find in hotel rooms and these were the small they were very small and they said do you want a bible and i said how much does it cost they said it's free i said i'll take it i went home uh, to my room and i started reading through it matthew mark luke and john and then that's when i when it hit me that i always knew it in my mind but i didn't know it in my heart that jesus loved me that jesus died for me that this guy came came for me And that I I had to follow him. So at that point, I made, that's when you call intentional discipleship. I became an intentional disciple. It wasn't because I was baptized, although that's important because of the graces that come with baptism. And maybe the graces of baptism led me to that time in college where I finally said, but I want to be an intentional disciple. I'm really going to follow Jesus. Which then, the next question was, I wonder what what church I should belong to. You know, because I know I'm not going to be Catholic because they don't sing. And they come late and leave early, and they, the homily the homily's awful. I used to love summer in my home because there was no air conditioning, and when there was no air conditioning, the priest didn't have to preach. So it was a good. We got out in 20 minutes. It was good. So I decided, I, before, I started looking at different churches, and I said, before I leave the Catholic Church, I have to at least know what I'm leaving, because I was a public school kid. I didn't have a lot of uh, background in religious education. We colored Jesus up until 11th grade, but we didn't learn any teaching of the church. So I decided before I left the Catholic Church, I'd have to look at what the Catholic Church teaches. I began to look at what the Catholic Church teaches, and darn it, it all began to make sense. Even if I didn't agree with it, it made sense. It didn't wasn't just coming out of thin air. There was a reason why we... We had celibate priests. There was a reason why we believed in the Trinity. There was a reason why we had seven sacraments and not three. All these things began to say, darn it, I think the church might be right. If you do it today, and they're changing it now, so you can't do it exactly like you could of six months ago, but if you ask your digital assistant, and I won't say it out loud, like (laughs) S-I-R-I or A-L-E-X-A, I forget which one. If you say, hey, S-I-R-A, uh, and I don't want to offend anyone here, so if you're non-Catholic, I'm not trying to offend you. It's just the way it is. If you say, who founded the Lutheran Church? It'll say, Martin Luther founded the Lutheran Church. Who founded the Methodist Church? John Wesley founded the Methodist Church. It used to say, who founded the Catholic Church? Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church. Now you have to say, which church did Jesus Christ begin? And then it'll say, Jesus Christ began the Catholic Church. Okay? So even S-I-R-I knows, right? So I began to say, darn it, This is the church that Jesus founded. I know it's not a perfect church, but this is where he called me to be, and I'm going to stand with his church. And then I did. I made a commitment to the Catholic Church. So now I made a commitment to Jesus. I made a commitment to the Catholic Church. I was a biology major, loving biology. I also played um, organ, began playing organ at the parish church, organ, piano, sax, clarinet, and uh, got involved in my parish community. And the priest said to me, uh, did you ever think about being a priest? And I just laughed. I said, you do not want me in your church to be a priest because I'm going to be the wrong guy. But the, the question never left me. And I think this is what, maybe this is the beginning of discernment that this 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 thing starts to gnaw at you. Like, I wonder, no, I never thought about being a priest. And maybe that's what happens in when couples see each other too. Like, I wonder what life would be like with her forever. I wonder what life would be like with him Forever and, and the question it just kinda gets to you and you start to you start to dream a little bit and you start to say there's a other qu- well what's what what's his personality? What's what's her, her favorite meal? What and you begin to go deeper and deeper into knowing each other and I begin to go deeper and deeper into my own self. Went on a retreat and this is what's different. I don't know that this happens for a lot of people, but I was walking around on this retreat. There are eleven other guys who had the same feelings, maybe I'm called to be a priest. Walking around alone at night, around 6.30, so dusk is happening, and I can tell you where in Harrisburg it happened. I looked up at the lamp, the streetlight, and I said, you want me to be a priest? That was it. That was it. I And I, I moved from then on. I think that, you know, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, is giving Wednesday audiences on discernment. If you get a chance, read his Wednesday audiences. They're, they're marvelous. The last one, being a Jesuit, he's talking about St. Ignatius, and he's saying that... Um, you have to sometimes look at, at the feelings you have after you've sat with something for a long time. So St. Ignatius would get all excited about reading um, a book about his favorite soldier. He'd, he'd get excited about reading a book about war because he was recuperating. And then he'd read the book, and at the end of the day, he was still not fulfilled. There was a, It started out exciting, but then it kind of he fell flat. At the same time, there were books of the saints, and and he said, oh, "I don't want to read a book of the saints. It's going to be so boring." But he picked it up, and he began to read and read and read. At the end of the day, he felt enlivened, and he felt a, a sense of joy, fulfillment, whatever it is. So, part of discernment is sitting with a decision for a while, or a, you know, a choice for a while. And at the end of the day, you you can either choose this or not choose it. What does it make you feel like at the end of the day? You know, what is. If you look at marriage, not marriage, does marriage, at the end of the day, say, I just feel attracted to that or not? You know, for me, uh, at the end of the day, marriage wouldn't have been attractive because I would have felt sorry for my wife. Okay? <laughs> so. But priesthood, when I looked at priesthood and celebrating mass, that excited me, that excited me. So that's part of it. The other part is listening to the Holy Spirit, asking, do not be afraid to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then shut up. And let it, let it rest for a while. You don't have to talk. Just let it rest. You know, I, I think sometimes one of the things that people do that I think is a huge mistake is something happens and they make a knee-jerk reaction and they, they do something real quick. We don't have to act that quick in most situations. You can let it rest a little bit. Let it rest and see where the Lord takes you. Then ask your good friends. You know, someone that you have is a real good soulmate. I have this decision to make. What do you think? You know? Do I have the personality to do this or not to do this? And talk to a good spiritual advisor, too. Like, I, I, I have a confessor I'll talk to. I have a good friend in Harrisburg I talk to if I have to make a decision. Uh, and I wrestle with it. Then ultimately, you do have to make a decision. You know, Ultimately, there are things you just sometimes you just have to make a decision. And you say, I pray this is the right decision. If it's not, Lord, fix it. <laughs> I've done that way too many times. But you know, make a decision. But I yeah, struggle with your struggle with your doubts, struggle with the decisions, and and place it before the Lord. And once in a while, the light bulb just goes off like it did with me. Like I want you to do this, and that was it. That was it. But but leading up to that time, that was like a 21-year process.
0: So, hey, folks, we've got a nice little audience here for Question of Faith. We've been noticing that people have been listening and sharing the show, and we want to we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you think we could do more of, less of. And so in the show notes, you'll find our listener survey. Please take a moment and just fill it out. It does not take long to fill out. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, if you fill it out, we will put you into a little random drawing for a Amazon gift card. So our Catholic Charities appeal received a one hundred and ten thousand dollar matching gift from the Humble Heart Gentle Soul Foundation, and that celebrates uh, Catholic Charities' one hundred tenth anniversary. So the idea is that you know if we can get hundred and ten thousand dollars donated, they'll match that hundred and ten thousand dollars. And then it would be obviously $220,000. So that would be great. So the appeal is running through December 31st of this year. Uh, that's 2022, depending on when you're listening. And uh, we're hoping that it will really boost um, our, our overall goal, their, their goal for their yearly um, – their yearly goal for, for fundraising donations. There's $14 million. That's their annual goal. So we're hoping to get there by the end of the year. And so we need your help. So we're hoping that you will be part of this, uh, this effort to get the $110,000 matching grant. And so in order to do that, uh, to make a celebratory gift that will be matched dollar for dollar, you can text CCHOPE to 41444. Or you can visit catholiccommunity.org slash match. Donors can also call 216-696-6525, extension 1910, if you want to make a donation over the phone. So help them out, and happy 110th anniversary to Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Cleveland. And while we met young adults in a bar for Theology on Tap, we often meet young adults, and we hope young adults meet us, more importantly, in a church. And so I thought we would go out to Stowe, Ohio. That's S-T-O-W. And we're going to get a Holy Family out there, which is a a really great church. Um, They have a great youth choir and uh, great adult choir, too, for that matter. I know that uh, they're about to get a new pastor Uh, Father Mike McCandless, who has been our vocation director for a number of years, he is going to be heading out that way um, to become their new pastor. So good luck to him, and uh, I think that he'll have a great time out there. He told me the other day that that was his home parish, too, so he's excited about going out there. So that's Holy Family in Stowe, Ohio. Uh, They just recently celebrated a big anniversary, too, so happy anniversary to them. And our gospel for the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time is from the Gospel of Luke, and it says here, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So pay attention to the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. If you've ever seen them, they're really, really tiny. Um, but when you plant them, the mustard plant just grows wild all over the place. Um, it's awesome to see. Uh, I was part of a ministry called Mustard Seed. Um, the, the Mustard Seed Communities is the name of it. And they would plan um, mission trips for people to go to places like Nicaragua, like I did, and um, and so we'll put them in the show notes. They're a great organization for you to support. If you're looking for someone to support, they're a uh, wonderful um, place that they build homes for uh, children whose parents can no longer care for them. They're not necessarily abandoned. It's just that ch- the parents can no longer care for them uh, in places like Nicaragua and Zimbabwe and Honduras and a whole bunch of other places. So great organization to uh, throw some shekels their way if you can. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this. We'll have more from Theology on Tap next week uh, with Bishop Edward Malesic and uh, Father Damien and myself. And uh, we hope that you stay tuned here on Question of Faith.